when we started Go Church, there were two persons that I really needed to have on the team. The first person I needed to have on the team was Pastor Jane. Because I needed somebody who I knew was an anointed woman to stand beside me. But long before the name Go Church was ever a name, long before I ever thought that one day I'm going to plant a church, I heard this young woman from South Africa. And she sang this song in Zulu. And when I heard her sing this song in Zulu, I said, I want her to be a worship leader for me one day. <laughs> and even before Pastor Jane came to work with us in the international service where we were working at New Life Providence, I fell in love with this young woman because of the anointing on her life. She is a woman of God who I really respect. She's not standing here because we owe her anything. <laughs> She's standing here because God has raised her up. We are not raising you up. We are simply the vehicles to help you find your place in God. But God has raised her up, and it's our privilege and honor to have her share the word today. And we will be having more opportunities for her to share in the future. But right now, I want to pray for her as we release her to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for our sister. I thank you that you have called her. I thank you that she is a worshiper. I thank you that she knows you in the secret place. And Lord, I ask you as she shares the word this morning that you will anoint her afresh. I ask you that you would use her mightily I pray, Lord, that your spirit will work through her and that as she shares, it will not just be words, but that it will be spirit speaking to spirit. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, we thank you for what you will do even now. Bless her. Bless us as we listen to your words through her. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 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 Thank you so much. It is such an honor to stand here. Today, um, is this mic okay, where I have it positioned? That's okay, okay. So it, it's really an honor. So many pastors, um, I think, are so protective of, of their pulpits and who they allow. And it's truly a blessing to be in a church where uh, we're able to encourage each other to grow in their gifts. And Pastor Chris is so open to that. It's very, very unique and, and such a, a privilege and an honor to be able to mature in this way. Um, so today I'm going to be talking to you about working out your finances. And before we begin, uh, if Rachel would go ahead, I want to show you a video that has something to do with that. My father wrote about this in his book, chapter one, page one, paragraph one. What is the answer to 99 out of 100 questions? sister. Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, man. I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. Why didn't you just come after me? No, this is about me. This is about my money. This is about money due me, which I will collect. 3.7 million dollars. And now, folks, 
It's time for who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Well, how much are you going to invest? Five thousand. Ten. Ten thousand. Five thousand. You needn't worry about your reward. Money is all that you love, and that's what you'll receive. For some folks, money is a foreign film without subtitles. <laughs> And you're completely obsessed with treasure. Me? I'm giving away free money. Friend, some of your folding money has come unstowed. It's my nest egg, Jack. At my age, you've got to think ahead. Absolutely not. I'm a businessman. I love money. I love power. I love capitalism. I do not now and never will love children. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Now! Offer me money. Power to promise me that. All that I have and more. Please. Look, man, all these jokers have got a lot of money and it belongs to me. I want to know who they are and what they're doing with it. I'm sorry about that, man. I really am. Money does bad things to people. There ain't no excuse for it. I'm going to say money. Thank you. <laughs> well, the point of that video was just to show you that sometimes money does make the world go round. Uh, money, uh, we grew up in South Africa. Rachel, go on to the map. I grew up in South Africa knowing the value of a rand. Now, rand is our currency. If you look at the map, I'm from the very east coast, Durban, in the province of KwaZulu-Natal, uh, east coast of South Africa. And when we grew up, um, we grew up under a regime called apartheid. Some of you may be familiar with that. It was where the white minority ruled the non-white majority. And so in 1987, my father saw a piece of land in what was classified as a whites-only area. Our lands were classified according to race. We were segregated according to race. And he felt God telling him to buy that piece of land in a whites-only area, which was illegal in 87. I was six years old. And uh, he went to approach the owner, and the owner said, you're crazy. You cannot purchase a piece of land in a whites-only area. This is whites-only according to the Group Areas Act that was in place at the time. Well, a couple months later, the owner came back to him and said, you know, I'm desperate to get rid of the land, so I'm going to let you have it. But what we'll do is we'll keep my name as the owner, and you will be classified as the farm manager. So that's what they did. And we moved onto that piece of land when I was six years old. We lived in a whites-only area. My mom, who's here today, she slept, she always says she slept with at least seven knives under her pillow every night because we were always getting calls from the neighbors. Get your fire extinguishers ready. We're coming to burn down your house tonight. We had unex unexpected inspections at any point in, of day from the police. They would come and go through our house. Um, and, and, and then on top of that, my father had the great idea that now God is showing him that we need to house all the young political activists. So we had a several hundred of the young political activists that were uh, uh, trying to um, root for Nelson Mandela's freedom at the time that was staying with us. My mom was cooking them three meals a day. So, and so what ended up happening is we purchased over the years all the surrounding properties. And uh, when, when I was 18, we actually were visited by uh, the acting president of our country, came to have dinner, because God really used that piece of land to bring about a unity amongst different races. And uh, so I grew up at a young age, seeing the power of worship. Uh, when I was at Regent, my roommate said to me, if there's one thing I've learned from you, whenever you have a problem, whenever a crisis hits, the first thing you do is go to your piano and worship because that's what I grew up seeing my mom do. So worship was our weapon. It was our way out 
of our struggles. It was our escape. And um, so uh, over those 10 or 11 years on that piece of property, we had a rehabilitation center for drug addicts and alcoholics, a homeless shelter, church hall. We ended up having 150 churches networked with us. But my point is that all of us were dependent on one man's salary. My father was a real estate agent. And we provided three meals a day for about a, over 100 people. And on the weekends, we had several hundred that were there for retreats. And so we really learned, my mom would go and pick up the expired food from all of the supermarkets. She had a van. They all knew her as the crazy lady who would grab the homeless people off the street and shove them in her van and take them home and hose them down, wash all the lice and, and whatnot off, and, and give them a bed. So we really knew how to stretch that dollar. And so, um, you know, for years she never even shopped. It was only later on when a minister from America came and said, I'm taking you shopping, and I'm going to pay, and took her shopping and so on. But the point is that even though we are limited by finances, you know, I think back at how impossible it seems that so many people were dependent on one man's salary. But God just worked it out. You know, he's the God of the impossible. He is above and beyond our limitations. We're the ones who place those limitations on ourselves. And uh, so I've been thinking back to when I was growing up and now and what's going on and all the headlines in the newspapers and so on. And if you go to the, the next slide, some of the, these are some of the headlines that we're reading on a daily basis. The economy has fell into recession. The battle of the banks, 60,000 jobs are being lost in a single day. This is the new Great Depression. I just saw an article on CNN a double-dip recession. We're constantly reading these headlines all over the news. And so the Lord had me turn to, I, I said, okay, God, I speak about finances all the time. This should be easy, right? Uh, I speak about finances three, four, five times a day. And the Lord said, no, but that's not what I want to say. I want to talk to them about something different. And so he, he turn my attention to the book of Joel chapter 1. And Joel chapter 1 verse 13 says, Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God, for the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. And so when I read that, the word that stuck stuck out to me was withheld. Because it seems to be that when you withhold something, you do it on purpose. So I looked up the dictionary definition of withheld, and it means to refrain from granting, giving, or allowing. Well, what does refrain mean? Refrain means to keep oneself from doing, feeling, or indulging in something. And indulge means to take unrestrained pleasure. So then I said, wow, this must mean that God takes unrestrained pleasure in giving us grain offerings and drink offerings, so much so that when he has to stop it, he has to purposely withhold himself from taking unrestrained pleasure in giving us these grain and drink offerings. So then I thought about the recession. And I said, well, what if maybe this is not coincidental? What if maybe God has purposely withheld these offerings that he takes unrestrained pleasure in giving us? What if he's maybe withheld these on purpose for a specific reason? And maybe that reason is simply to declare a holy fast and call a sacred assembly. And then I kept reading. And he says, in verse 16, it says, Has not the food been cut off before our very eyes? 
joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seeds are shriveled beneath the clods. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down, for the grain has dried up. How the cattle moan. The herds mill about because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness, and flames have burned up all the trees in the field. And I, being a financial advisor, the first thing I do every morning, 7.30, begin my day with the news and what's going on in the markets. And these words seemed so familiar. And I thought to myself, if I had not known better, I would think that this had been written in 2010 or even 2011. And so I compared it just over the past month to what's been going on in our news. September, just in the month of September 2011, has not food been cut off? September 8th, a news article, food banks grapple with shortage. More than 200 drugs in short supply. Crop markets sharply lower. The verse talks about the granaries. Grains tumble after USDA report. The cattle, cattle are quarantined. Cow herd numbers at historic lows, September 22nd. Even the flocks of sheep, mass livestock death. For fire has devoured the pastures. 50 cows just died in a Spring Hill barn fire. And, and then it's talking about the flames that have burned up all the trees. I, I know some of you wake up in the morning smelling the flames from the Suffolk fire. There, September 27th, swamp fire still burns after the hurricane. And I said, wow, this is such a timely word because this is exactly what we're going through. Everything that, that God was speaking to Joel about here is exactly what we as a nation are going through right now. And it's actually not just the United States, but think about Greece, Greece and the debt concerns and Italy and the entire Eastern Europe. And it's trickling out throughout the world. And we think about the hunger, the hunger crisis in Africa and it's trickling throughout the world. And then I thought about this being a recession and, and all that has come out through the recession. Well, what is a recession? A recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth. So if we look at our GDP, GDP is gross domestic product. And that is simply a measure of all the goods and services produced within our nation. It's a measure of our economic health as in our nation. Since 2008, the second two quarters of 2008, you can see that our GDP was negative. And that's why we were in a recession. Because a recession is when you have two negative quarters of GDP. Then I thought about the fact that we're in the middle of a recession. We have been through a recession. Maybe, just maybe, we've been missing the boat. Because here we are trying to lower interest rates. We're trying to cut back on spending. We're trying to get more jobs. We're trying to do all we can, save more. We're trying to stop going on vacations. But all God is saying, declare a fast. Call a sacred assembly. That's all I need. Because I have withheld this economy for a specific reason. It's been purposed. I take unrestrained pleasure in blessing you. But I do this with purpose and withholding it back simply to declare a fast, to call a sacred assembly. So I kept reading Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 13, he says, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. And then he brings it back full circle. Declare a holy fast. 
call a sacred assembly. And so the word that stick out to me here was garments. Garments symbolize outward appearance. Fake religion symbolizes materialism, possessions. And so what he's saying is, America, enough outward appearances. America, enough materialism. America, enough fake religion. I want your heart. No more garments. Rend your heart and not your garments. And then he brings it back full circle and he says, because my purpose through this is simply that you would draw closer to me by declaring a fast and calling a sacred assembly. There is a purpose in all of this. And we've been trying to accomplish the goal of getting through this difficult time in our economy by doing all of the wrong things. Simply, God wants us to, all he wants us to do is to draw closer to him. And he's saying, I want your heart. I don't want your possessions. I don't want you to dream for cars and dream for goods and services. I want you to dream for me. I want my passions to be your passions, my vision, my dreams to be your dreams. Because then he would relent from sending calamity. And so I looked at Joel chapter 2, verse 18. And he says, Then the Lord was jealous for his land, and he took pity on his people. He said, I'm sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. And I thought about Job. You know, when God took everything away from him, when God blessed him, he blessed him with more than what he had before. He says, I'm not sending you the same grain. I'm not sending you the same wine. It's a new wine. It's a new grain. I am getting ready to do a new thing in you. But in order for you to catch on to that new thing, you've got to give me your heart. No more fakeness. No more outward appearance. Simply your heart. And so it says, never again will I make you an object of scorn. And you think about how America has been scorned. Ben, uh, Bernanke, he's the head of the Federal Reserve. He was in Europe giving advice to the European nations. And they said, why are you giving advice? Your economy is not good enough for you to be giving advice. Just last couple weeks ago, and I thought about that word scorn, that yes, America has been scorned. But God is saying that if you'll turn and give me your hearts during this economy, I will never again make you a scorn to the nations. And so I started looking at the fact that, God, yes, you are a jealous God, and you are starting to do a new thing already. You have already begun. And I started to look at the positive indicators that we're seeing within the economy. And so far, our GDP, which is the graph I showed you before, we have increased by 1.3% in the last quarter of 2011. That was not expected. It, it was actually a great thing. Our labor market, employment has been continuing to improve. Inflation, which is the term for the cost of living, it still remains low at about 3%. Our dividends, which are simply interest on stocks, are outpacing our inflation at 5.6%. That's great. Large companies have solid balance sheets. We think of Microsoft right now. They have $32 billion of cash on hand. Google, $22 billion of cash on hand. A lot of companies have stored large amounts of cash. The exports are rising. The economy has added 1 million jobs in 2010 and 1 million in the first half of 2011. So what that means is if you are unemployed, don't give up because it's getting better. All of 2010, we added 1 million jobs. Just the first half of 2011, we've added a million. And unemployment is a lagging indicator, meaning that coming out of a recession, unemployment is usually the last factor to come up. But God is on the verge of doing something new. He's on the verge of sending the new grain and sending the new wine 
and sending the new oil. And these are just indications of what he's beginning to do. All we have to do, as Pastor Chris even spoke about, uh, fasting for the jobless. That is so online with what God is saying, to call that sacred fast, to call that a sa uh, sacred assembly, because it's time to get our hearts back in place with the Lord. And so he said, Joel chapter 2, verse 26, he continued and ended the chapter of Joel with, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be ashamed. And that is his promise to us, that we get to hold on, that even though times are tough right now, he said in Joel 2.26 that you will have plenty to eat. And God is a God that his word will never return void. And so because he said it, you will have plenty to eat until you are full so that he may be glorified. You see, because at the end of this chapter, it all comes back to praise to the king of kings. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God. Because his purpose is simply to glorify himself through our struggles, through our bad economy, through our recession, through our great depressions. Simply to glorify himself through our sacred fast and our assembly that we would at the end of it all still be able to praise him. Like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Amen. And Jesus even spoke of these things in the New Testament. Do not store your treasures up in heaven. Rather, do not store your treasures up on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures up in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eyes are the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you would drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food? And the body not more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? You see how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, or spin. And yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor 
was clothed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? (laughs) So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For these are all the things that the pagans run after. And your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And and those are the words of Jesus. Doesn't get any any more real than that. And what he says is, don't worry for tomorrow. Because I've got you. I'm taking care of you. And, but simply I want your heart. And I have a purpose through all of this. I have a purpose through the unemployment. I have a purpose through the financial limitations. And my purpose is to draw you closer to me so that I may be glorified. Because at the end of all of this, you will come back and praise him. And so I want to give you a few strategies on how to prepare for tomorrow so that you can heed the words of Jesus and not worry about tomorrow. And the first strategy that um, I use is 10, 10, 10, 70. Can you just say to your neighbor, 10, 10, 10, 70? And 10, 10, 10, 70 is a simple strategy in order to create a simple budget for yourself in your, uh, with your financial goals. Now, I do want to say that my dad used to always say this to me. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. It's very true. You always want to set some goals for yourself. You need to know where you're going so you can know how to get there. So first thing you need to do is really write Write down three goals, three financial goals, three spiritual goals. And um, in fact, if you have someone account- that you're accountable to spiritually, if that's Pastor Chris, Pastor Jane, you might want to share those with them or, or anyone else in the church so that we can encourage you to grow in those areas. Financially, if you have someone accountable, that may be your spouse. You want to sit down and look at what your goals are for the future financially so that you can both figure out how to get there. 10, 10, 10, 70 says 10% of your money needs to go to God. 10% of your money needs to go into a savings account. 10% of your money should be going towards your retirement because if you're my age, young and dashing at 30, you you might not have social security. So this is important. And 70% of your after-tax income should be going to your living expenses. So when we talk about tithing, now, tithing, here's the simple version on tithing. Tithing is spoke about in the Old Testament. Tithing is also a part of the New Testament. Tithing is a very biblical and scriptural principle that we, as Christians, followers of Christ, all should adapt in our financial health. 
Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, But you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? God says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. We also know, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, 10% of your income is tithes. If you give anything above 10%, that's not tithes. That is now an offering, okay? We, New Testament says, give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I'm sure we have so many testimonies of when we've given. Pastor Jane was sharing one about when they gave, and, and she got 10 times back, uh, 10 times as much that she gave, she got it back. And, and we all have these great testimonies of giving, and I believe that if we feel like we have holes in our pockets sometimes, maybe start tithing 10% and see what God does. Test him. He says, test me in this. Test him. And, and uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing a testimony from you about that. Um, so there are many views on tithing, and I know sometimes we may not understand why, but I do want to say this. Adam and Eve... When God said, don't eat of the, the fruit, do you think they understood why? I don't think so. But he's saying simply be obedient because obedience is better than sacrifice. It's just a, a command that he gave us. Although you may not understand why we need, I need to tithe, it's a command of the Lord. There can be a lot of reasons, and I'm not going to go into all the theological doctrines. Maybe Pastor Chris will touch on that at a later time. A lot of reasoning on why we should tithe. But simply, God said tithe in the Old and New Testament, so we need to be obedient. Amen? Okay. So, second thing is save. 10% should be going into a savings account. And what I want to say is if you do not have any savings, which is understandable, this is a very difficult time that we're going through. A lot of us are financially. Your first goal should be to just simply accumulate $1,000 in a savings account. And this might take maybe a year or two for you to do. Maybe it might take more. Maybe it might take just a few months. All of us are at different points in our lives. But that should be your first goal. How can I get to $1,000 of savings in my account? Over the 20, next 20 months, I'm going to put $50 aside. So in 20 months, I'm going to have $1,000 in my savings account. Because what's going to end up happening is when you have an emergency, you're going to end up going into more debt without having any type of savings. So even if you do have debt, it's important as well to pay down on your debt, but also to save. Because if you're not saving, eventually you're going to increase your debt even further. So you need to be doing both. Um, second, if you have a 1000 then work towards accumulating six months of living expenses. Now, I'm not there yet, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm not at the six months of living expenses yet, but that is a great goal to have if you've reached the $1,000 in your savings account. Now try to accumulate six months of living expenses. Uh, once you do that, if you have six months of living expenses, I don't advise having simply in a savings account because they're paying close to 0%, but rather ladder it. So two months of living expenses in a money market, two months of living expenses in a three-month CD, two months of living expenses in a six-month CD, and you can keep rolling those over as they mature. But for now, what I do want to say is as much as you need to pay down your debt, also think about the importance of saving so that you don't increase your debt in the future because, um, you know, the Lord also speaks about debt in Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain under, uh, outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So on retirement, 10% should also be going to your retirement. And there's several buckets you can use to contribute to retirement. The first one is going to be your retirement plan. If you're working, your employer may offer a retirement plan. That could be a 401k if you're working for Verizon, 
a 403B if you're working for a nonprofit like CHKD, a 457 if you're working for the city, or a TSP if you're working for the military. All of those are the same thing, a tax-deferred retirement plan. A lot of times your employer will offer a match on the retirement plan. You should always try to maximize your match because if you are not doing so, you are missing out on free money. We all like free money. Um, and then the second thing, if you're doing that, if you're maximizing your match on that 401k is you should be maximizing your Roth IRA because again, if you're young and dashing like me, when I get to retire, I'm gonna be paying a lot more in taxes and a Roth IRA is a great way to store up some tax-free retirement income. And then the third one, if you're maxing out both of those, you should be working on contributing to a LARC, and that's something that is a life insurance retirement plan. So um, at the end of all of this, I think it's important to also be including in your budget now, your living expenses. <laughs> That's the most important part of your budget. And the first thing you want to do is create a budget. Luke 14, verse 28 to 30, God talks about for which one of you, when you build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost. It's important to calculate the cost so that you know how to get there. Um, and a budget can be as simple as the sheet that you see up on the PowerPoint. It just needs to give you an aerial view of what you have coming in and what you have going out. Also, try to identify your miscellaneous expenses. Gavin and I, um, we sat down a couple months ago and looked at our budget, and I said, wow, we have a lot of expenses that I don't know where it's going. So I started highlighting all our miscellaneous expenses on the bank statement. Come to find out, my husband is spending $74 on Gatorade at the 7-Eleven in one month. <laughs> Going in a dollar every day, you know, on Gatorade or $2 on Gatorade. So what did I do? Run to Sam's Club, buy the Gatorade in bulk. <laughs> Cut that problem out. So uh, identifying miscellaneous expenses is important and then try to break down your annual. Sometimes you pay insurance annually or semi-annually. Break those down uh, by 12 months so you know what's coming in on a monthly basis and what's going out on a monthly basis. Okay, uh, second part of your living expenses is your debt. And what I do recommend, and we've already talked about the biblical portion of debt, that God wants us to be debt-free that's biblical and there's a lot of scriptures that refer to that uh, but I do recommend that you pay it off by balance first you go with the lowest balance um, and then when that's paid off you take that amount and contribute to the next balance it does something for you psychologically because you see the debt paid off quicker instead of putting 50 here 50 here 50 here 50 here pay off the lowest balance, get that paid off. You say, wow, that's paid off. Then take that and, and put it to the next step. Because if you do it by interest rate first, which a lot of people do, you end up taking a lot more time to pay off all this debt. Because psychologically, you're not seeing it paid off. So by balance first, interest rate second. It's called the debt snowball method, and you can Google that learn more about it. And also, third of all, it's very important to communicate with your creditors. When you're getting those calls from creditors, pick up the phone, communicate, because they will be willing to reach an agreement with you if you would simply communicate with them. Also, you are saved, so you've got the favor of God backing you. Remember the promise in Joel chapter two? You will have plenty to eat. So when you communicate with them, remember you've got a supernatural power that's communicating already on your behalf. So God will really change hearts and, and, and do it prayerfully and, and you'll be surprised. And last of all, 
what I do want to say is that it's important to rest, take time to rest, and also enjoy. So include enjoyment in your budget because, you know, sometimes you keep running and you don't get to enjoy and then you just burn out. And then the debt spirals out of control because you're burnt out and so you don't know what's going on. Finances are swirling. It's important to take those moments to simply enjoy. Uh, these are some of the sites that Gavin and I use. We go out to eat together. We used to go out once a week, but then Go Church happened. So now it's about once a month. <laughs> but we try to go out about once a month or so. And we never pay full price for our meals anymore. These are websites that you can go to and uh, get your meals at discount. So restaurant.com. Please don't tell the worship team this because I just bought them gift certificates from restaurant.com. You get $25 gift certific certificates there for $10. And if you have a coupon, you can even get it for $1, 2 or $3. Groupon, they have 50% off. Living Social, 50%. Daily deals from Virginia Pilot. If you sign up for their daily deal, you get all types of great deals. And then the entertainment book. My sister-in-law and I at Christmas, Nancy, she buys me the entertainment book and I buy her a Sam's Club membership. So the entertainment book, you actually can get all types of uh, deals all over the Hampton Roads, 50% off. It's a great way to enjoy life. Take those moments with your spouse, your family, while you're on a budget. So be a baller on a budget, right? And and so at the end of it all, I was talking to my grandmother yesterday. Some of you know her. I said, Ma, you've got to pray for me. I'm preaching tomorrow. And she said, oh, what are you preaching about? And I said, finances. And she said, oh, that's easy. All you have to do is tell them, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so simply, that's it. At the end of it all, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God, in all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough troubles of its own and God has got your back. He's the supernatural provider. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's doing a new thing. Rend your hearts and not your garments. No more fake religion, no more outward appearance, simply the heart because he's got a purpose through this. Um, June was handing out these um, scripture cards. I, I don't know if you all got, did you all get them? And mine says, endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. I thought if God has a purpose through all of this, maybe it's simply for endurance to produce that character so that the character may produce hope. If he's got you on some type of financial limitation right now, you're without a job and you're saying, oh, the job market's so bad, but he's saying it's gonna get better. Just keep going. Don't give up, I've got your back. There's a purpose through all of this. I'm trying to produce character. I'm trying to do a new thing. You just give me your heart and I'm taking care of it. Matthew 6.33, seek me first and all these things I will add unto you. Amen. God bless you. We thank God for his word through his daughter. I don't know if you are struggling we have been talking about finances for a while and i think that this message is calling us to a deeper place in god simply calling us to seek god there are some of us here who need to go back to that early place of just simply coming to God and say, Lord, I need you. 
You remember that song, I need you, oh, I need you every hour, I need you? We need to come back to that. I wonder if there's anyone this morning who has never met the Lord as their personal Savior as yet. And you want to say this morning, I need you, Lord. The Bible tells us that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That's why Jesus Christ came to die for us. Is there anyone who needs to give your life to the Lord? Just raise your hand right now. We want to pray with you. we come to you this morning and we thank you for this timely reminder to seek you first. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder that you are calling us to yourself. Forgive us, Lord, for when we have put finances before you. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we have put work before you, Lord. Lord, we want to seek you first. And so I pray for each of my brothers and sisters this morning, this afternoon, Lord. I ask you that you would bring us back to yourself, Lord. Brothers and sisters, on this day, where we have prayed for the peace of Jerusalem, I want to ask you to stand as I pronounce this benediction that is pronounced in Jewish churches all around the world. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel and know that as you go, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen and amen. God bless you all.